right, well, Merry Christmas to everyone, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online. So excited to celebrate the birth of our Savior together. But first off, I just want to say how proud of uh, the worship team and the production team uh, that I am, all the work, all the time, all the effort that they put into making these Christmas services so special, and our one desire is to give all the glory and all the honor and all the praise to Jesus, and and our hope is that we just really want people to know that he's real. Come on, there's no one like him, and you can know him in a way that makes life meaningful and makes sense, and uh, tonight as we, we celebrate when heaven invaded earth and this baby was born that Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes and then laid him in a manger. I was thinking about when a baby is born, there are three main questions everyone always asks every time a baby is born. The first question everyone asks is, what did they have? Did they have a boy or did they have a girl? And then the second question everyone always asks is, how big were they? Like how, how long, how tall, how much did they weigh? And I thought it was interesting, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the tallest married couple, uh, the wife was seven feet, 11 inches tall, and the husband was seven feet, nine inches tall. They actually gave, she gave birth to the biggest baby ever in Seville, Ohio, which is a suburb south of Cleveland, not too far from here, and she gave birth to this baby boy that was 28 inches long and weighed 22 pounds. How many know that's a big baby? Ladies, could you imagine giving birth to that big baby boy. I'm pretty sure when they took him home from the hospital, they just drove straight over to Columbus and enrolled him at the Ohio State University where he could play linebacker for the Buckeyes. I'm pretty sure, I'm just guessing, but I'm pretty sure he was shaving on the way over and it gives a whole new meaning to the phrase or the term man-child. But I mean, that's a big Baby. Now, imagine, if you would, with me just for a moment, that, that word travels back to, to Mary's hometown of, of Nazareth. And, hey, did you hear? Mary had her baby. Oh, oh, yeah, what did she have? A baby boy, just like she said she would. And, oh, yeah, how, how big was he? How many of us know he was bigger than anything that could even imagine? He was bigger than anything they would have even been able to comprehend because he was bigger than the manger. He was bigger than Bethlehem. He was bigger than the religious leaders. He was bigger than King Herod. He was bigger than the the high priest. How big was this baby? Well, the, the New Testament tells us that he was bigger than blindness. He was bigger than lameness. He was bigger than deafness. He was bigger than blood disease. He was bigger than demon possession. He was so big, he was bigger than death, hell, and the grave. I mean, that's a big baby that was born. But let me, let me personalize it for us tonight. How many, he's bigger than your cancer. He's bigger than your diabetes. He's bigger than your arthritis. He's bigger than your heart disease. 
I think someone needs to, to know tonight he's bigger than your anxiety. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your depression. That baby that was born, he's a big God. And that's why we celebrate and worship him because he's bigger than the storms and the valleys that we might find ourselves in tonight. He's bigger than the, the giants that might be standing in front of us. He's bigger than our financial situation. He's, he's bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our addictions. He's bigger than our habits. He's bigger than our shame. He's bigger than our past. He's bigger than our regrets. He's bigger than our hurts. I mean, he's bigger than our unforgiveness. He's bigger than our childhood. He's bigger than our dysfunction. He's bigger than our divorce. He's a big God who's able to do anything. And the message this Christmas is that all things are possible with God. That he's a big God who is bigger than anything the world has ever known. But then the third question that everyone always asks whenever a baby is born is, what'd they name him? What's his name? How many of us know people have been asking that question throughout the Bible? Man, who is this man? who talks with such authority? Who is this man who has such compassion? Compassion. Who is this man that even demons listen to him? I mean, it's a question people have been asking at the beginning of the history, the history of the world. Who is this man? Who is this king of glory? And how many of us know his name is Jesus? And there is no other name that can save people from their sins. His name is above every single other name. How many know at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? I just want to remind us tonight about the mighty name of Jesus. How many of us know there's hope in the name of Jesus? There's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's life in the name of Jesus. Depression is broken at the name of Jesus. Fear is bound at the name of Jesus. Anxiety, those chains are broken at the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm telling you from personal witness, addiction is broken at the name of Jesus. There is no one like Jesus, and his name is above every single name. How many of his name changes everything? Tonight, I just want to study uh, just a, a small part of the Christmas story together. You can read its entirety in Luke chapter 2 if you want to. But tonight, I want to take a look at probably my favorite part of the Christmas story. And my hope is that maybe, just maybe, we could see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before. Let's take a look at it together. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read from uh, verses 18 through 23. It says this in verse 18, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to, to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, that's key to the Christmas story. I wanna remind us that Jesus was conceived and born before the marriage. They would eventually obviously get married, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
At this point in the story, an angel has already appeared to Mary and said, you have found favor with God and the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And now an angel is appearing to, to Joseph to basically talk him into not leaving Mary, to talk him into staying with her. And the angel said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save people from their sins. The name Jesus literally means Savior. To save people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. But I want us to notice the next line in, in this passage of scripture because that even though his name will be Jesus, that's not what they're going to call him. They're going to call him something else that describes a characteristic and something that he'll be known for. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I want to point out in the, in the Christmas story that this would have been somewhat difficult for, for people to under, understand what this, this angel is telling Joseph, this, this statement, because up until this point, God would have, have seemed far off and distant from all the people. Maybe some of us can, can relate to feeling like that tonight. Like God just seems distant. He just seems far off. But here in this passage of scripture, this Christmas story, the angel is telling Joseph, no, things have changed. Emmanuel, heaven has invaded earth. God is now with us, which changes everything because now we can know God and relate to God in a way that we never could before. And so in this first Christmas, when it came along, God, God said, I'm gonna send my, my son to the earth, not just to save people from their sins, because if that was the only mission that Jesus had when he came to the earth, then why would he wait 33 years to do it? I would suggest to us tonight that there's more to the story. That Jesus didn't just come to die, but he also came to live. That Jesus wanted to experience life so that he could understand what you and I go through day in and day out. That's why he didn't even start his public ministry till age 30. And so from birth to age 30, you know what Jesus was doing? He was living life and he was experiencing things so that he could understand what each and every one of us go through because he's been through it himself. The Bible says it like this. Take a look at it. Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 through 16. It says this high priest, speaking of Jesus, this high priest of ours, what's he do? He understands our weaknesses. This is such a beautiful part of the gospel, even the Christmas story, because when we go through struggles in life, when we go through difficulties, when we mess up and we have failures and, and issues going on, how many of us know we all got issues? You got issues, I got issues, all God's people got issues. And if you don't think you got issues, man, that's your issue, because we all got them, right? We all have stuff, but, but when we come to God with our stuff and our difficulties and our struggles, God doesn't look at us and go, Kyle, you're still struggling with that? You're still dealing with that. When are you gonna get it right? When are you gonna finally get past that thing? How many of us know God doesn't do that? Why, because he, how many of us know God doesn't do that? Because he understands us in our weaknesses. Why? 
because he faced all of the same testings we do. So in every way that we've messed up or almost messed up, we need to know that Jesus has felt that, experienced that, yet he did not sin. Like he made better decisions than all of us maybe made, but because of who he is, and regardless of anything we've ever done, the Bible says that we can come boldly. Everybody say boldly. Other versions say with confidence to the throne room of this gracious God. I don't have to come with shame. I don't have to come with feelings of, of, of not being worthy or good enough for God. No, I can actually come with my head held high, not because of anything I've done, but because everything that Jesus has already done for me. And what will I find there? A disappointed God who's, who's gonna say, when are you gonna get it right, Kyle? No, there I'm gonna find and receive his mercy. How many of us know his mercy is when we don't get what we deserve? And then his grace is when we get what we don't deserve. And there in the throne room of grace, I'm gonna receive his mercy. And you know what else I find? Grace to do what? To help us when we need it the most. Church, can I just tell us, this is the Christmas story. This is the story that changed my life. This is the story that brings hope to my heart. This is who Jesus is. And if we don't have a right picture of God, we won't have a right relationship with God. Like the way we view God determines the way we know him. And that's why the Christmas story is so powerful because Jesus really, 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 really wants us to know who he truly is. That Jesus understands our weaknesses. And how many of us know it's always under, uh, easier to understand someone if we've been through the same thing? If I've been through it, I can understand how you feel and what you're going through. And I'm praying this Christmas that we would all understand that this is who Jesus is. And so for the rest of our time together tonight, I wanna, I wanna give us three areas that Jesus understands. If you're taking notes, you could write this down. The first one, the first area that Jesus understands is number one, Jesus understands our relationships. This, this might be the most powerful one or the biggest area that Jesus understands, at least it is for me personally, that Jesus understands our relationships. And so if we're going through some, some difficult relationships, whether it's in our marriage, with our kids, family members, friends, our boss, our coworker, our neighbor, a parent, we just need to know on this Christmas that Jesus gets it. Jesus understands. Now remember, Jesus had a family. Let's, let's take a look at it. Mark chapter six, verse three. It starts by saying, isn't this the carpenter? And so if we've ever wondered, what did Jesus do before his public ministry started at age 30? Well, we know from at least 12 to, to 30 for 18 years, one of the things he did, he was a carpenter. But not a carpenter like maybe we might think where he worked with wood. The original Greek word there literally means stonemason, which makes sense if you've ever had a chance to visit that part of the world, Israel, that, that region, there's a lot of stone. There's a lot of rock. In fact, the city of Jerusalem alone, the streets are rocks, are stone, the buildings, the temples, everything is made out of stone. And so Jesus was a stonemason. How many of us know rock's heavy? So I've always pictured Jesus not as some scrawny little guy, but how many of us know Jesus was jacked? Jesus was ripped up. I mean, he was carrying rocks. He was a strong guy. It goes on to say, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? 
Aren't his sisters, plural, here with us as well? And so we see from this passage alone that Jesus had at least six siblings, four brothers and at least two sisters, so seven kids in all. Here's what I know. I only have three kids in my home, and life is crazy. Our home is crazy. I can't have nice things. They break everything. They get food on everything. Come on, parents, where are you at? Like, life is crazy with three kids. Can you imagine seven little bambinos running around, right? Just, just the brother-sister relationship, the arguing, the fighting, the competitiveness. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I've always pictured like, like Jesus, maybe just one time. Do you think one time he just went, maybe during tag or something, he like walked across the pool? Come on, do you think he did that? I can hear it now, like, Mom, he's doing it again. Tell him to stop, right? Can you just imagine all the dynamics? But the point is, Jesus understands relationships. He knows what it's like to have a mother and father. He knows what it's like to have brothers and sisters. For 30 years, he lived in that environment, working and, and living with one another. Now, now some people might say that, 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 that Jesus' family knew he was the Messiah, but I would make the argument that they didn't. In fact, when, when Jesus did finally start his public ministry at age 30, teaching and preaching and had large crowds of people gathering around to hear him speak, take a look at what his family did when this started to happen. Mark chapter three, verse 21. When his family heard about this, people gathering to listen to him preach, they went to take charge of him for they said, he's out of his, my wife would say, ever loving mind. He's out of his mind. Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind. They thought he was crazy. Which, by the way, how many of us just have at least one crazy family member we're gonna see this Christmas? Come on, wave at me. Come on, and if you don't think, if you, don't think you have a crazy family member, because every family has one, I'm just saying. But Jesus understands relationships. He knows what it's like to be a son. He knows what it's like to be a brother. He knows what it's like to have sisters. He knows what it's like to be single. Come on, where are my single people at? Come on, wave at me, single people. Come on, keep waving. Now look around, keep waving. See anybody you like waving at you? Tell them, meet me at the manger in the lobby. Merry Christmas to you. This could be your year. Someone could make the argument that he knew what it's like to be married. Now, we, we know he was never married when he was here on the earth, but how many of us know he calls the church, God's people, the bride of Christ, that he's the groom? So he understands covenant relationships. How many of us know God, Jesus understands what it's like to be embraced, but he also knows what it's like to be rejected? Jesus knows what it's like to be loved, but he also knows what it's like to be betrayed. Jesus understands relationships. And, and if I could just encourage us to do a few things this Christmas, maybe if we had some time, if you're taking notes, write this down. I wanna encourage us this Christmas that we would talk to him about our relationships. The weather's gonna be nice, 50 degrees. Maybe we would go on a walk or we would just get along with God and we just take some time to, to, talk, to talk, talk to God about our relationships. God, I'm really concerned about my son. He's going through some things. He's made some bad choices. I don't know how to get through to him. God, my, I need you to move in my marriage. I'm just worried. have been struggling, getting along and being on the same page. And there's this, this animosity in our home and we lack peace. I'm just, I need your help, God. Or God, I need you to heal my mom. 
She's going through some, some medical stuff. God, I'm just really worried about her. We would just take some time and talk to him about our relationships. You know why? Because he understands. The second area that, that Jesus understands, if you're taking notes, and that is number two, Jesus understands our lives. Jesus was, it's interesting, he was actually prepared for ministry at age 12, even though he wouldn't step out into his ministry for another 18 years at age 30. And at age 12, Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple for his bar mitzvah and his dedication to God. And, and so he went there to be dedicated to God. In fact, uh, at age 12, they're considered, he would, be, would have been considered an adult. But on the way home, they pulled a home alone move. And on the way home from the temple, they looked around and they realized, we forgot Jesus. Where's Jesus? Parents, you ever forgot one of your kids somewhere, either on accident or on purpose? We've done both in my family. I just want you to know, it's all good. I, and I'm comforted by the fact that Mary and Joseph lost the savior of the world. So it's okay for us as parents too. But they look around, where's Jesus? So they go back to the, to the, the, the temple where they find Jesus teaching what would be like Bible college professors 12-year-old Jesus is teaching them about the Bible. And so we know that he would have been fully prepared for ministry at age 12, yet he didn't start his public ministry for another 18 years. Why? Because in that Jewish culture, he would have been considered an adult and ready to go. I would suggest to us tonight that the reason is, is because he wanted to experience life like we do. Take a look at Hebrews chapter two, verse 17. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and he would be able to help where help is needed. Jesus experienced life so he could understand how we feel. He could understand what we're facing. And I think sometimes we picture Jesus wearing all white and preaching and teaching and performing miracles. But remember, he only did that for three years. For the other 30 years, he lived life. Why? Working as a stonemason, dealing with people, problems, and all the issues of life that we face. And so I wanna encourage us this Christmas, if you're taking notes, to talk to him about your life that we would talk to him about our lives, that we would come before God and say, here's what I'm going through. Here's how I feel. Here's what I'm dealing with. Because if we would do that, how I many know Jesus would understand. My heart for, for us this Christmas is, is maybe to know God in a way we never thought we could, that Jesus understands us even better than we understand ourselves. And then finally tonight, the third area that Jesus understands, if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus understands, number three, our pain. Not just physical pain, even though he understands that because of what he went through on the cross, but emotional pain and grief. Isaiah chapter 53, verse three, says this about Jesus, that he was despised and rejected by mankind. And so for any of us who have ever been rejected, any of us who have ever been betrayed, any of us who have ever been hurt by someone else, Jesus understands what's that, what, what that's like. The Bible says he was a man of suffering and familiar 
with pain. I mean, we have a God who understands and can relate to, to what we're going through. Jesus is called a, a man of suffering, that he experienced all types of pain. And in these passages of scripture, it's, it's kind of describing emotional pain. And so for any of us who've ever experienced some type of, some type of heartache, whatever we've maybe been through, rejected by someone or betrayed by someone, someone at school or work or even in our, our family, we need to know that God understands, that Jesus was despised. Remember, his mother was, got pregnant and gave birth to him before they were even married. Back in that culture, that would have been such a shameful act. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can only imagine maybe some things that were said to him by other kids or how people look at him. You know, some of the whispers in the background. Anybody ever experienced that before? I mean, Jesus understands. And then, then you add on the physical pain of the cross. Isaiah actually goes on to describe that pain. Isaiah chapter 53, verses five through seven. But he was pierced for our transgressions. The nails were driven into his wrists and his feet. He was crushed for our iniquities. A spear ran underneath his ribcage. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, speaking to the crown of thorns. And by his wounds, we are healed. The lashings of the cat and nine tails. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a, a lamb led to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now some of us might ask, why would he go through all of that? I think it's interesting that the Bible tells us in Hebrews that for the joy set before him, he endured. For the joy set before him, he endured. You know what the, the joy was that was set before him? You, me. That for the joy set before him, he endured all of that pain. And so when we face struggles and difficulties in our lives, I know he understands. And by the way, he, he understands our grief too. I think it's interesting that as Jesus hung on the cross, he looks down at his mother Mary and says, woman, behold your son. Imagine the weight of the sins of the world upon his shoulders and he, he takes a time out to look at his mother who's he, who he, he's concerned about and he looks at her and says, John the disciple is going to take care of you. And then Jesus looks at John and says, behold your mother. Now in that culture, that would have been completely inappropriate if, if his father Joseph was still around. But every scholar agrees that that would mean that Joseph had already died by the time Jesus was crucified on the cross, which means that Jesus went to his dad's funeral, which means he understands. So can I just encourage all of us this Christmas, if you're taking notes, to talk to him about your pain, that we just would talk to him because Jesus experienced it, he felt it, he understands it, and he would love to have a conversation with us about it. And so what do we do? Maybe someone would ask, what, what do I do? Well, I would make the case that Jesus has already made the first move. He's already taken the first step. That God, the God of uh, around Christmas time sent down this baby in poverty in a stable who lived his life so that he could relate to all of us. And since he did all of that, 
I would encourage us to do what James chapter four, verse eight says, that we would come near to God. And as we do, he'll come near to us. And I don't know about you, but this is the gospel. This is the story that changed my life. That Jesus met me in my pain, my addictions, my emptiness, my struggles. And he said, I understand. I get you. I know why you do what you do. I know why you run to that bottle. I know why you run to that thing. I understand why you responded like that. I get you better than you get yourself. And how many know it changed our lives forever? More than a story. And we can come to God with all of our struggles, with all of our fears, with all of our hurts, with all of our pain, with all of our emptiness, with all of our mistakes, with all of our disappointments and all our problems. And maybe for the first time ever, or maybe for the first time in a long time, we can just move towards God and encounter Emmanuel, God with us. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you for the first Christmas when heaven invaded earth and love came down to rescue our souls. God, we're just comforted by the fact that you get us. You understand us even better than we understand ourselves. And I pray tonight that you would help us to have the courage and the boldness and the confidence just to talk to you to talk to you about our relationships, the struggles, the offense, the frustrations. That we talk to you about our lives, what we're going through, how we feel. That we even talk to you about our pain and our disappointments and the emptiness that we have. Because you understand. You get us. We celebrate Christmas because you love us right where we're at, but you love us enough not to let us stay there. That you want to bring healing. You want to bring victory. You want to bring purpose into our lives. As we're praying together tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you would say, I don't, I don't know God like that. He's always felt far off and distant. I've never experienced Emmanuel, God, with us, who understands how I feel and what I'm going through who knows me better than I know myself. But the Bible says if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we shall and we will be saved. Like everything changes, God comes near. If you need to take that step tonight, this Christmas, by surrendering your heart, here's my life, God. I'm tired of trying to do things on my own. I'm tired of going through life empty. I know there's more to this life than what I'm living. And it starts with a relationship with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, you need a relationship with God. Would you lift your hand to heaven? Maybe you're watching online, wherever you're at. Going right now in this place, right now, you'd lift your hand. Here I am, God. I want to know Emmanuel, God with us. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for your plan and your purpose. Thank you for loving me and believing in me, for never giving up on me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, born as this, this little baby that lived life so he could understand what I'm going through and ultimately died to give me a life I never thought possible. Right now, I surrender my heart to you. God, forgive me of my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live. My life is yours. In 
Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all he did. So good. Beautiful. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with me, I wanna encourage you to do a couple things. One, I wanna encourage you to tell somebody about it. It brings a power and accountability to the decision you just made, but it might stir somebody else's faith to hear what God is doing in your life. And if you could do me another favor, there's a connect card in the seat back that's in front of you. If you could just take a moment and fill that connect card out, let us know that you made a decision to live for Jesus. You can drop it in the offering bucket as we get ready to worship God through our giving here in just a minute, or you can drop it one of the giving stations on the, in the back of the auditorium, or you could even take it to the connections area out in the lobby. We'd love to connect with you here, what God is doing in your life. But we really, what we really wanna do is send you some next steps, come alongside you and support you in the best decision that any of us could ever, ever make. Well, as our ushers come forward tonight, we get ready to worship God through our giving. There's a few ways that you can do that. And if you're a visitor with us, we don't want you to feel any pressure or obligation to give. And in fact, God doesn't either. The Bible tells us that he loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want us to give feeling pressured into it or, or, or because we have to, that we, we love to give because how many know Jesus gave it all? But here at Experience Church, we give with purpose. Uh, we give as, as a, being obedient to God, but also our prayer every single week is to go beyond these walls and that others could experience a love that never fails, a hope that doesn't disappoint. And uh, I'm excited to celebrate tonight that this year for Christmas, we partnered with uh, one of our, our partners uh, called Prison Fellowship. It's actually a ministry we partner with that uh, streams our services into over 400 prisons throughout the United States. And then they have another uh, ministry that they do called Angel Tree. And that's where not only are they ministering to the men, the mothers and fathers who are incarcerated, but then they come alongside the children who are somewhat left behind because mom and dad are behind bars. So something we started a couple years ago is sponsoring children whose parents are incarcerated and getting them Christmas presents on behalf of mom and dad, not because not on behalf of Experience Church, but on behalf of mom and dad to, to hopefully connect and reunite families, and I'm happy to report that this year we've supported more kids than ever before, almost 500 kids we were able to sponsor and get presents for, which is truly incredible, and I want you to know those kids are not in some other state, those kids are right here, so we started with Defiance County, so kids right in our own backyard with Angel Tree, we sponsored them, we went out and bought gifts for them, and then Angel Tree called us and said, Actually, nobody has sponsored any of the kids in Lucas County. Would you guys be willing to sponsor a few from Lucas County? And we said, we'll sponsor all of them in Lucas County. And so that's how we got to 500, just incredible. So I actually have a little video I'm gonna show you guys just to give you a little snapshot on what Prison Fellowship and Angel Tree does uh, in prisons and with, with the, the mothers and fathers. But let's pray as we worship God through our giving. Father, we thank you for your generosity. Thank you for how you bring hope. No matter what we've done or where we've been, even, even these men and women who are incarcerated, these children who are affected by God, you can still reunite. You can redeem God. You bring hope to the hopeless. You bring freedom and forgiveness, God. So, God, we count it a privilege to give to you as an act of worship and obedience. God, thank you for ministry partners like Prison Fellowship and what they're doing 
in families' lives. God, we just, we, we love you. Thank you for giving it all so that we could live. We worship you with our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're at Carol Vance and we get to celebrate Christmas with Angel Tree, but what's super special is for these kids, they get to be with their father. And that's so important for that connection, so special for these kids. And here at Carol Vance, they get to be one-on-one. -on -one. My heart is just overjoyed to see the expressions of these participants, to, to see their kids for the first time and just hug them and embrace them. And I just know that the day is gonna be a great day for us and a great day for the kids and the men that are here. What we're doing today is what Prison Fellowship is all about. It's restoring those who've been impacted by crime and incarcerated and also the kids as well. My name is Peyton, I'm eight years old, and what I love about Angel Tree is that my dad can send me gifts, and I know that he still loves me and he can stay in contact with me. I enjoyed being here. I enjoy like the program because I get to see him a lot longer than like a two-hour visit, and it's just really fun because I get to hang out, like all the food that you get to enjoy, <laughs> five slices of pizza that we ate. It was really fun, and I had, it was just really great, and I appreciate it a lot. I danced with my daddy today. I had so much fun. Don't be shy now, baby. I'm not even sad, Daddy. <laughs> my baby right here. Smile. Thank you, Daddy. Merry Christmas. My name is Joseph. And my name is Jacorsha. And I just met my daughter for the first time today. I always knew about Joseph uh, as a little girl, and then we moved around a lot, so we didn't keep in touch. Just the distance and him being locked up didn't really permit for very much communication. I know my daughter's been through things, and. She really didn't know who her biological father was. And she was like leery about meeting me, but she did want to meet me. And uh, no one else would give me that help. And uh, like I said, I got all that help from being here on the Caribbean Union because prison does not provide that for you. So uh, I'm very grateful for all that, and I'm grateful for today. You ready? I'm going to try to make you cry. Oh, you're going to tell me how amazing I am, aren't you? You are amazing, but I want to let you know. <laughs> that despite everything that we have going on, I do love you. I will cry, don't do this to me. <laughs> I will cry. And as every day that's gone by and everything that you've done and everything that you've pursued, you've made me completely proud as a father for oh. you. <laughs> she's not the reason I'm sober, but she's the, she's the reason I asked to get sober. And uh, God answered that prayer. I just love her. I can dream of uh, getting out and ruining everything. She's just too perfect. Why are you crying? Because I love you. <laughs> He's crying. So good, isn't it?
Come on, let's stand in this place. As we get ready to, to light candles, hopefully you received one when you walked in. It's one of our favorite moments of the Christmas services. I always like to remind us that we'd like to start with a dark room. And it kind of reminds us of what life is like without the love of Jesus in our hearts. But then as, thank you, sir. I look down, it's a hot air blowing it out, brother. But as we light candles and the glow fills the room, we're reminded that Jesus is the light of the world and that we're called to carry his light into the world around us. And so my prayer is that this would be a, a worshipful moment where we honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's light candles. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, around the young virgin, mother and child. Let's lift our candles and sing this together.
Father, tonight we celebrate when love came down and changed the world. We celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. We celebrate and we're comforted by the fact that Jesus understands. That you get everything that we're facing, all that we're going through. Tonight we just worship the name that's above every single name. May you be glorified as we celebrate the real reason for the season. We love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You can go ahead and blow out your candles.